Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Do 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 Yo, this is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside Frankie Stample, I am Greg Sussman. Frankie, what's going on, bud? Frankie, happy Monday. Hope you're not too hungover from St. Patrick's Day. I'm not. Or you went out partying hard, Greg. I didn't. You did not. How'd you sleep last night, buddy? Dude, I literally just dream about work now. It's bad. (laughs) That's not necessarily a dream, then. That's more of a nightmare. Correct. I dreamed that like we were taping FanDuel today, and like everything went wrong. <laughs> Why do you think such bad things, Greg? I don't know. I wake up and I wake up and just like we had a great night. Come on, play by play, dude. Great story to start off today's show. Great story. Great story. Before we get into it, I want to welcome in our guest at this time. We hung out with him all weekend long. It was a blast. It's Maddie Mo, Maddie Modica from Modica Mondays. What's up, Matt? Hey, what's going on, guys? Great chilling with you this weekend. Uh, one weekend down, one weekend to go. Love it, love it. The money was live. You saw a whole lot of things change, I'd say. And uh, we'll talk about that with Matt uh, over the next hour or so. Now, Frank, we got to start off with the story, do we not? Yeah. I, I think it's fair. Yes. So Frank texted me. Uh, what time did he text me at? Frank texted me at, I felt like 8 o'clock, right? Sure. Yeah. 828. Yep, 828. Lost all three of my fantasy basketball semifinals. And I said, OMG, was my response. I then called Frank around 11 o'clock last night. Because we were playing Ronus and we were down all week. Like, we couldn't do anything right. Everything went wrong. And I called Frank because I checked a lot of as I was kind of getting ready for bed. It was about 11 o'clock, like I said. And we were down one three-pointer from Ronis. One three-pointer. We needed two to take the lead. I go to the bathroom. I come out to wash up, brush my teeth. I come out, and we are winning. I call Frank right back up. Say, hey, what's up? And I'm like, we're winning. He's like, what? What? So I sat there with Frank because he was watching on his Xbox, and I was just watching on ESPN, and then on Yes. So I was like a good five to ten minutes ahead of him. On the broadcast. So I was giving straight play-by-play of the Clippers-Nets game. In which we won and advanced to the finals, Frankie. It was wild. We had no business being in this at all. I mean, we were getting destroyed all week long. Greg calls me up. He's doing play-by-play. Shea Gildas Alexander shoots the three. It's good. That's not what I said. I said, SGA in the corner shoots the three. Got it. Got it. Got it. I was running around screaming, got it. And it was amazing. We had no business winning. It was great. And now we're in the finals. Now we're in the finals. I've never been able to take home this league. Hopefully, you are the good luck charm. Back-to-back finals appearances. My first two years in the league. There you go. 
That's how you get it done. That's how you get it done. All right, Maddie Mo, what's going on? Uh, it's Monday, baby. I'm up, which is uh, surprising. I've been up since 6 a.m. somehow, but uh, excited to talk about the uh, previous weekend. 6 a.m. So you do you toss and turn in the morning thinking about like your drafts and stuff, how you like crushed everybody, or are you thinking about something completely different? I, I think it's just getting old. I wake up early all the time now. Eddie <laughs> <laughs> Mo needs to wake up and get his coffee, which, you know, he's always taking pictures of what he's eating. Sure. All of his coffee that he's drinking. So, I mean, you're, you're doing all right, man. Got to drink coffee. Got to get the coffee. So, this is my first time seeing Maddie Mo in his element, right? Like, around all the other sharks in the room, him and Andy Saxton giving each other crap all weekend long. It was awesome. They were going, they were in drafts together, drafts simultaneously. It was like such a ridiculous event. We covered it live for the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We were there all day Friday, uh, and then for most of the day on Saturday for the main event. Obviously, Frankie, you participated in the main event. We'll get into your feelings on everything in a bit. But... It was a wild, wild show, seeing how serious everybody is, and yet how casual they are, because they all know each other. And it was like they were just there to do their job, do their business. It was just silent. It was intense. It was a really, really interesting uh, view into high-stakes fantasy baseball. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I love the experience. Just to try and like map this out and explain how it looks for everyone, we're basically inside a huge like hotel meeting lobby area. With three 15-team drafts going on side by side by side, projectors up on the screen with the draft results that are going on. You're hearing names getting called out left. You're hearing names getting called out right. Everyone's looking down, uh, crossing names off their list, uh, marking things off on their computer, players who are getting drafted, trying to figure out what they're going to do next. It is intense. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I loved the first time being here. Love competing against Matty Mo. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Matt, I have no idea how you do it. I know people were calling you the machine. I see you tweeting out last night while well, the batteries are starting to run out. I don't know how you got through the weekend because it seemed like you had a draft and an auction each day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I, I have no idea how you did it. Yeah, it's, it's tough, but, you know, you, I, I look forward to this, these two weekends, you know, every year. So you got to conserve as much energy. Once again, drink as much coffee, take as much uh, a leave as possible. And, you know... The competition is great, but the camaraderie is just as good. And I've made so many friends throughout the years in both uh, baseball and football high stakes. It's, as I said, just a weekend full of guys that all know each other, guys that um, and ladies that, that play together, and they're doing it for the money. They're doing it for the money. So, Frank, I go, I go over to you. This is your first NFBC main event. You were teaming up with Greg Biden. Uh, what was your feelings walking into that room? How did you feel the draft went? And where's your head at? I feel great about the way that the team turned out. Obviously, um, you know what I was looking for early on here. I wanted to get an outfielder. wanted to get a starting pitcher. Chris Sale ends up falling to pick 19, which honestly was probably my hardest decision of the draft because I told myself if Garrett Cole was there at 19, that's who I wanted. Uh, but I didn't expect Chris Sale to be there. So I'm looking at the board. I'm thinking about Sale versus Garrett Cole. Ultimately, I take Chris Sale because my perspective, you're playing for an overall, you take the the player who has the highest upside, and I think Garrett Cole has a tremendous upside as well, and he might even be the safer pick than Chris Sale at this point. We know the concerns with Sale last year, the velocity came down, uh, he's got the wiry frame, like I've always kind of worried about these things, I've never really owned him, so I, I'm going to get the first-hand experience from Chris Sale, put some of those things to rest over the weekend when he made his debut, I know the velocity was still like 90, 91 miles per hour, but had seven strikeouts in four innings. I just think the upside is higher with Chris Sale. So when you're playing with for an overall, uh, that that's ultimately the decision that I came to. 
Uh, but Maddie, I'll throw this your way as well because you know I was sitting around Friday night watching you guys draft uh, in the uh, in the ultimate the ultimate draft, which was a 5K entry high stakes draft, and I saw some of the picks that were flying off the board. My biggest takeaway, even before I drafted this weekend, was get your guys. Don't worry about ADP. Just draft whoever you want because I, I remember there was a team pick 14 on that Friday night high stakes draft who started Aaron Nola. Took Aaron Nola and I picked 14 in Javier Baez. And it was right then that I was like, just get your guys. Like, if you trust a player is going to break out or, you know, you have projections higher for a play, like a specific player than anyone else in your league, it doesn't matter if you pull them up the board or not. If you trust that player, take that player. Yeah, no, especially, you know, if you're doing the research for a couple of months and you're putting uh, substantial amounts of money on the line, you got to believe in what you're doing. And look, it, like like you said, Sale, to me, if uh, if Chris Sale's 100% healthy and the second half of last season didn't happen, he's, you know, I would possibly be my number one guy on, on the board, even with as, as magical as Max Scherzer's been these last five years. But it did happen. But it's tough. Like you said, you're in that spot and passing on Sale at 19 would be, would have been difficult for me to do. And, you know, I was on Cole last year, and I love him just as much this year. But I, I think it, you, you had to pull the trigger there. I thought the biggest surprise, in particular to your main event draft, and, and some of the other ones I saw also, was J.D. Martinez, which is where I, I want to I dive into. So J.D. Martinez drops almost all the way to you at 12, Frank. He goes at number 11. In draft one of the main event, he dropped all the way to 9. In draft three, he also dropped all the way to nine. This is a guy, Frank, that we, in our draft tomorrow night, we're talking about four overall. And this is the main event. This is the highest stakes player. He went, the highest he went is number nine. Matt, what are we missing with, with J.D. Martinez? What, uh, what's going on? I'll tell you, he's probably the third best hitter in baseball right now. Right. The thing is, in the first round, all these, because this is an overall competition. It's not just like a satellite or a standalone home league. So you're competing against 500 or so other players uh, constantly. So 100, you know, it's not like you have enough saves or you have enough speed. So you want to keep getting it. Like if you're in a home league and you have 150 stolen bases and the next guy has 100, you know, that doesn't make that much sense. But in the overall, you got to keep getting it. And everybody either wants that ace early or they want like a guy who can steal them 20 bases along with the power. As well, and the reason why JD and Arenado do fall is because of that. They don't offer you any speed, and it's so hard to get it. You want to have a base of say, you know, thirty twenty type kind of guys with average in that first round if you can get them. Why Aaron Judge over JD Martinez in every league? I I, I saw Aaron Judge go, and this is, and I wanted to ask you about this as well, Matt. Is how much should spring training matter? Because people say spring training shouldn't matter, especially when you know we're talking about people who have been doing research for the past couple of months. Again, you got your guys. You want to get your guys. Trust your gut. Go with what the research says. But when I saw yesterday in a main event, Aaron Judge goes fifth overall. This is not an OBP format. This is a batting average format. That tells me that spring training does matter. People are paying attention to spring training because they're seeing what Judge is doing, and he's hitting six home runs, and he's going out every day, and he's smacking another home run, and people are getting excited about what he can do if he stays healthy in the Yankees lineup. So I'll throw it to you. How much should spring training matter? Does it normally make this much of a difference? Because J.D. Martinez, to this point, is someone who has struggled in the spring. He's hitting 130 with zero home runs. That doesn't concern me. 
I still think J.D. Martinez should be a top five, six player off the board. But if I'm seeing Judge go fifth overall, Greg, spring training is obviously driving that. Yeah, I mean, it, but like what Aaron Judge is doing in the spring isn't exactly a surprise. Like, he's Aaron Judge. This is what you expect him to do during the season. So, you know he's healthy. I have, in all honesty, I've ignored what Aaron Judge has done in the spring. I could not tell you what J.D. Martinez has done in the spring. I have no idea because I don't think it matters. And I'd be very surprised, Matt, if the high-stakes players do think that matters. No, I think it's more like, say, uh, pitchers and stuff. At least that's what matters to me. Or younger players, you know, constantly being in that lineup at a certain spot in, in it, in, in, in the batting order and stuff like that. But as far as... Uh, yeah, I mean, J.D. Martinez signed this year, you know, around the same time as Bryce Harper signed, and he went on to be, you know, could have been an MVP. You know, Mookie got, but J.D. was right there with all those numbers and stuff. I'm going to take J.D. over Judge. I really like Judge this year. I, I mean, I don't see how you don't like him. I was in the draft where he went five. Would kind of, for me, I picked the 14th. I knew I had a good shot at Harper being there. I did Want to get a, a bat? And Harper was uh, it was Harper a Judge I expected to get, so it worked out well that way. But I, I, maybe it's just that one guy has him uh, valued so much higher than others. And if he delivers on forty homers, one hundred and twenty RBIs and stuff, I just think that batting average between Judge and JD is going to be a, a significant gap. It should be, and I expect it to be. I, I would expect, you know, J.D. Martinez at least to hit 310. I mean, it could be as high as 320. We saw where it was at last year. Both him and Betts finished you know, top two in the AL uh, batting crown last year. So, And the biggest difference is the strikeouts, right? Judge strikes out 30% of the time. J.D. <laughs> is around, you know, 21%, 22%. Now, if Judge only lowered his strikeout rate to that, he probably would hit over 300 as well because he hits the ball as hard as he does. I mean, that's why he's able to even maintain a, a 270 batting average with striking out 30% of the time because he hits the ball as hard as he does. So if he was able to lower that strikeout rate, then he would be able to be a 300 hitter like J.D. Martinez. But we haven't seen any evidence of that happening for Aaron Judge. So as of now, I mean, if I'm drafting him, which I did, I would expect a, you know, 265 to 275 batting average with 40 home runs and, you know, potentially 50 in the Yankees lineup, which, you know, the counting stats are going to be there too. Yeah, I, I, listen, absolutely, and I get it. And it's, it's amazing where you kind of gone on Aaron Judge from where you started in, in the spring. Not that you were against him, but how much you've kind of fallen He has for big him. splits. He has big splits issues. But again, for Roto, for the season long, that doesn't matter. So what are you giving me at the end of the season? I would say, you know, for head-to-head leagues, that might matter a little bit more, the consistency or lack thereof. Because if you look at his, his home road splits in his career, and you ca- kind of understand because it's Yankee Stadium, I mean, he's, it's like, drastically different you know he's like over a thousand OPS at home like over 300 batting average and then at, at on the road he's like a 230 240 hitter with like a sub 800 OPS so that that kind of lack of consistency might hurt you in a head-to-head league where you need weekly consistency sure but Roto end of season hey as long as you give me uh my you know 40 to 45 home runs 100 runs 100 RBIs that's all I'm asking you. Absolutely. Now, looking at these drafts as we are, we'll talk about them. We'll talk about our auction because we haven't been on the air since our auction on Thursday night as well. Yeah. We have another draft. So we have a lot going on today. We're going to go over this. Venture had his draft. We'll get into his draft uh, coming up when he joins us next hour. So 
a lot of draft recap, seeing where players have gone now that you're actually pulling the trigger, now that the money's actually on the line, seeing where some of these players are going. And I think that makes a huge, huge difference. A guy like Francisco Lindor, we questioned him. There's a rumor he could be ready for opening day. In the second round, Lindor went to Andy Saxton and Matt Modica, team number two. We're going to ask Matt about that on the other side, where you, how happy or what they thought of getting Lindor there. In draft one, Francisco Lindor went in your spot in the very first First round of the NFBC main event. In the second one, he went in your spot in team two in round two. So Francisco Lindor, Frank, kind of back up to where he was, except for Matt, which again we'll get to after the break. Yeah, and it's all about roster construction, the way that people like to build their teams. And Matt's right. A lot of people want to get that base of you know 25 to 30 home runs. Can you give me stolen bases as well with a good batting average? Lindor can definitely do that. It's just a matter of how healthy he's going to be. I couldn't do that, Greg, because you know I wanted to get an ace early on. I don't like the start, starting pitchers that are there at the end of the third, early fourth round. I don't want, want two of those guys. So to me, I knew I was taking a starting pitcher with one of my first two. All right, fair enough. When we come back, we'll hear more about Matt Modica's pick for Francisco Lindor, and then we'll name check a whole ton of guys who are moving. Stick around. More on the way. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round. We never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 Fantasy Sports Today When you look at Chan Cisco, good minor league numbers having a, a good spring four home runs so far batting 333 with being nothing out there <laughs> at the catcher position that we just discussed a few minutes ago. You know, he's someone that, I, you know, in a deeper league, you know, I, I might take a chance. And definitely in a two-keep, a two-catcher uh, league, definitely viable and, and not being even looked at. Saturdays, 8 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network is live with you. And we want to remind you, find the reads, we can remind you that you can catch Going for the Green podcast each and every week here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network as Daily Roto Crew breaks down the upcoming PGA Tournament. From a fantasy perspective, going for the green talks, course history, PGA betting, one and done fantasy picks, and more. Separate yourself from the field and go for the green. 
with Daily Roto this fantasy golf season. Listen to it live or listen to it on Audio Boom, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast provider. You can't listen to it live because it's never live. So listen to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Before we hit the break, we mentioned that Matty Moe and Andy Saxon were able to grab Francisco Lindor in the second round. I said it to you uh, at the hotel on Saturday, Matt. I'll say it to you now. You had to be thrilled that Lindor was there for you in the second, and then Noah Syndergaard was there for you in the third. Yeah, no, that worked out quite nice. Look, I was drafting Lindor in the three spot earlier on uh, when the draft season started. I was taking a Cooner or Lindor in that area. And Friday night, I got him uh, with the second-to-last pick of the second round. So I'm pretty uh, heavily uh, invested in Francisco Lindor. You're going to have to probably, you know, I don't know if opening day is going to be realistic, but even if it's a week or two, it happened early enough. Hopefully it's fully healed. And, you know, this isn't like a 33-year-old Josh Donaldson that's dealing with it. It's a younger guy, different build as well. So I'm hoping, you know, it's not a long wait, and all signs are go. All signs are a go for Francisco Lindor. That's a name that's going to rise back up draft boards because, as we said, not even ruled out for opening day yet. I think he won't be there opening day, but he'll be back pretty soon after that. So good stuff for Lindor, Frankie. Yeah, and I think this is a good spot to get him in, too. Right after Stanton goes, right after Bregman goes, I think it makes sense as that hitter off the board. Uh, you know, Paul Goldschmidt, Freeman, all off the board as well. I worry a little bit about the stolen bases. You know, obviously he was dealing with a calf strain, and, you know, is he still going to get 25 to 30 stolen bases? Maybe he's, you know, closer to 20, low 20s, maybe high teens. So I worry a little bit about that. But, again, it it all comes down to is he all systems go? Is he good to go? I mean, I I think you would agree with this, Matt. Just let the guy rest. Like, don't try and rush him back just for the sake of having him for opening day. And I don't think the Indians will do that because they realize how pivotal he is to that team, both offensively and defensively. Just let the guy rest. Make sure he's completely healthy. Like, even if it takes two weeks into the season, like, just make sure he's completely healthy. Don't try and rush this guy back. And I trust the Indians. I don't, I don't think that they are a, a, an organization that would rush him back. Frank loves the Indians. He loves I'm just, the Indians. I don't know how I became an Indians fan, but I'm all in now. You're, you're a massive, <laughs> uh, massive, massive Indians fan. Okay, look, taking a look, and one of the constant questions we talked about over the weekend, and what I wanted to address now is where does a guy like Vladimir Guerrero go? Right? Like, where does he go across the landscape? And in your draft, guys, he went in the middle of the sixth round to Team 8. At that point, Matt, was he on your radar? I know you picked two picks later. Was Vladimir Guerrero on your radar at that spot? I was actually hoping he was going to be there. He did. I, was, I didn't think he was going to make it back. Friday night, I took him with the second pick in the fifth round. Wow. And he wanted to wait another round. He wasn't really into it there. So when you got a partner, you got to deal with it a little. I look, I, that was my first share I got of Vlad Jr. on Friday night. Because it was in the fifth round. And, you know, he was going third round, mid-third round, pretty much all draft season. Yeah, he, he has been. Obviously, the oblique affecting him. Frank, you let him go in that round. I know you've kind of decided to say, hey... I don't want to do this thing. I'm going to let other people get involved mostly. And that's that's been your mantra throughout draft season. Instead, in that sixth round, you wound up taking uh, Roberto Osuna, your first closer. Closer. Uh, what was the deal with that? Yeah, so in the fifth round, Daniel Murphy made it to me, which I didn't expect. A lot of drafts, I've been seeing him go in the fourth round. And it's interesting. You mentioned the spring before. Murphy's had a terrible spring. Yeah. Do you think that contributes to him dropping a little bit? Um, maybe potentially. I don't think that it should, obviously. I mean, unless there's been something about, like, his knees again that have come out that I haven't seen. But, again, I haven't seen it. 
And I know Rudy Gamble is someone who was in on Daniel Murphy. He was drafting in one of the main events right next to me. He ended up taking Daniel Murphy in the middle of the fourth round. So when I get him at 512, I'm feeling pretty good about that. We already have the base of power with Aaron Judge and Cody Bellinger on the team. So we wanted to add to the batting average there. And again, yeah. look, playing in Coors Field, and I'm not the biggest Daniel Murphy fan, but the, the upside is undeniable. I mean, in Coors Field, he can easily hit, you know, 315, 320 plus. Um, he just needs to stay healthy. And then Roberto Osuna, we take him in the sixth round. The reason why we passed on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is there were a third baseman that we liked that go later on. We ended up with one of those third basemen in the eighth round. And I figured, Greg, that I want at least one of my top 12 closers. And really the cutoff for me is Kirby Yates, Sean Doolittle, that range. And I figured Kirby Yates was not going to make it back to me at the end of the seventh round. And I ended up being right about that. He didn't make it back to me. So ultimately, I wanted to lock up one of these guys who I know is going to have the job for their respective team. So that's why we go with Roberto Osuna. I have no regrets. No regrets at all. Frank walked out of this draft, by the way. Absolutely loving, loving that team. Um, Matty Mo, I, I want to get your thoughts on that too. Like, I feel like if, if you like your team a lot coming out of a 15-team draft with this many good players, something probably went wrong, right? Like, should I really like my team this much? I don't no, know. I mean, look, there's some people that will say, oh, I hate my team, and they always do good, and there's other people that love it. It's Look, I, I think it's a good thing to walk out saying how much you like your team. It means you executed your plan pretty much. So I think that's a positive, and I, I'd rather walk out being positive than having a negative spin on it. All right. Makes me feel a little better. Thanks, there you Matt. go. There you go. I mean, why does you want to feel po- more positive than negative, of course? Um, yeah, I just don't want to, like, feel too cocky or anything, right? Like, this is my first time. Well, like, who look, the hell am I? <laughs> but it, what's really – Saturday was the fun, and now once the season starts, that's going to be the grind, you know, the, the fab process. It's, it's really grueling. And it's really tough, and having to get those right prices and deciding how much you're willing to invest. Uh, Sunday nights will have a whole new form of hell for you. <laughs> I mean, it already has been, right, Greg? Yes. I'm used to working with partners. Like, we, we do GST bids together. Sure. Uh, you and Florio might need to handle that a little bit more this year because I'm going to be doing my main event bids. Uh, we also have GDD bids, so... Yeah, man, like, I, I realized, you know, what I was getting myself into, and I know how, like, long and drooling the, the bidding process is uh, because, you know, we did it all last year when I, I was teaming up with these guys. So uh, it's just it's another league that you have to do it to. Obviously, there's a little bit more on the line here. Uh, but, yeah, definitely, I hear you, man. Like, the especially for you, I don't know, like, you must spend your entire Sunday. It must take you 10 hours to set all your fab bids, Matt. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, what I try to do is prior to Sunday have everything kind of – set up and then you start tweaking those last couple of hours uh at, at one point i try and cut myself off if there's no news because i just keep increasing my bid so i try <laughs> and <you know. laughs> yeah that's something that i do too you know throughout the week while things are going on i might just throw a bid in just so i don't forget about it and remind myself of it on sunday and then i'll decide then yeah do i still want this and then i'll up the bid to the exact price that i wanted to but that's something i'll actually do and i think that's a good thing to talk about for like in-season management when you see something that's going on throughout a week and you have only waivers go once on Sundays, just set a bid. Make sure you remember to go check it out again towards the end of the week, obviously, but just like set the bid and then you can remind yourself later on, why did I like this guy? And then you kind of go through your thought processes there. So for me, so I'm so used to playing in daily leagues and daily transactions where you can go make a move every night, whether the waivers are going through overnight or not. That the weekly thing disturbs me for a loop. By Sunday night, like the last thing I want to do is go back with you and Flory on all these bids. Like it's just like. Oh, I remember. 
It's like exhausting. There's a lot of, uh, you know, me up at 11 o'clock doing these bids by myself. And- 100%. I just was not interested. Yeah. So to me... <laughs> it's grueling. It's a grueling task. It, it's grueling. It's grueling because it's all guys that suck, number one. And you, not great in 15 teams. It's league. brutal. It's brutal. Rosters so for me, I think the way you have to do it is every day. Like every morning we come to work, like go over guys that we could possibly want. Like, kind of like we did in basketball. It was kind of easier because mm-hmm. it, was, it was twice a week. Um, and to me, to do it every day, put a bit in. If we want to change it on Sunday night, like, at least it's already in there. Yep. At least it's already there. Otherwise, I'm going to lose my mind. That's, and that, and you're in 17 <laughs> leagues, Frank. I'm going to be in like three or four. I'm not in 17 leagues. I'm going to lo- lose my more, mind, Matt man. Matt probably in like 20-plus leagues. Do you have like an official count what it's going to end up looking like, Matt? Uh, probably with like Fed, it's probably going to come close to about nine, I think. Ten the most. And like the draft champions, those are manageable because you just have to set lineups and you can take care of that. Uh, as far as the fab goes, I keep telling myself I want to get down to like five, six the most. Yeah. But it's just tough. But luckily, I have you know I have Andy partner with me on uh on I think what is it three teams I have him I have Chris Ricardo doing two teams with me so you know it does help out when you have partners. Matt has, Matt has multiple checklists of all of his leagues to make sure he remembers them. <laughs> you have to, man. You actually have yeah, to. And it also gets expensive. So. <laughs> <laughs> it, does, it does get expensive. All right. Um, let me get back into the draft board because that, that's ultimately what, what people care about. Um, Frank, I'm, I'm going to go to you here. What surprised you in, in this draft? Give me a name that people want to know where they went draft, and you're like, oh, oh. Here, he went here, and this is kind of a surprise. It's not necessarily a surprise, but I think it's something that we should talk about because we haven't talked about it. We haven't been on the air since this news came out. And it's, sure. it's regarding Walker Bueller. And I'm yeah. very interested to get Matt's thoughts on this as well because he was very much so in on Walker Bueller. Came out Wednesday, Thursday last week, kind of went under the radar that uh, his arm just, quote, doesn't feel right. It's not necessarily an injury, but he just says he doesn't feel right, whether it's a dead arm phase that he's going through. Remember, the innings jump from last year. He went from 97 in 2017 to up around you know 175, 176 last year with the postseason included. So a pretty big innings jump there. He's getting a late, later start than everyone else here in Dodgers camp. He hasn't actually made a spring training start yet. I believe that's coming in the next few days. He goes at pick 311. One pick before me. He was a name that we might have considered if he were still there on the board. And I wrote about this on my Patreon, was that in the month of February... He went, his ADP was around pick 36. Over the weekend, we, where we've had all these main event drafts going on, we have a ton of NFBC data since the news has come out regarding Walker Bueller. His ADP is still right around 35. Yeah. So that tells you the high stakes players are not really worried about this update when it comes to Walker Bueller. Uh, Matt, where are you at on him and where have you seen him go in drafts? And is he someone that you're kind of avoiding now with this news that came out? Uh, no, I'm, excuse me. I'm not avoiding him. Uh, when the news first came out, I was taken aback a bit when I saw it. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> but if anything would have been wrong at all, say early on when he had this dead arm, as they were saying, if there would have been anything that would have gave them the slightest bit of caution, he would have been shut down. This is their this is their future. This is their hopefully like next Kershaw type of a pitcher. And the fact that he was never shut down, he was just slow walked and all that. Which I think is actually good, because then once he gets in, they can pretty much let him go and maybe, you know, manage it differently around the All-Star break and maybe in September. We'll see about that. 
But no, I think uh, Ryan got a got a great deal with Bueller at eleven. I would have taken him with no hesitation there. All right, so so there you go. So players like Matt, who has the money in there, not all that concerned by the report. So that's why nothing's changed. Yeah, and here's the official ADP. It was in the month of February, his ADP was thirty nine point three five in the NFBC. Over this weekend, his ADP was thirty eight point five. So actually moves up slight a bit, slight a, uh, a little bit there. 31 min pick, 43 max pit with an average auction value of $28. So he's right in that mix as, you know, one of those top 12 to 15 pitchers in terms of where he's going and how much people are paying for him in auction still. Matt, you tweeted before about your boy, and I know I'm diving deep now, but you tweeted before about Martin Perez, how you drafted him four out of six leagues. And Martin Perez is a dude that you're getting for nothing. I mean, it's costing mm-hmm. you absolutely nothing. 27th round you drafted him in uh, in the league with Frank in the main event. He's a guy who was in Texas forever. He was a guy that you would stream in, in in weekly or daily leagues. You wouldn't really expect all that much. Two-star pitcher. But you're buying into him clearly a little bit more, drafting him on four of your six teams that you drafted this weekend. What makes you buy into Martin Perez? You know, who's a player I never uh, liked, a player I think I rarely ever owned. If I did, you know, if it was in, like, desperation where I just needed an arm. But when you see the increased velocity, you see his uh, – just everything. Like, the wind-up and all. They, they did a side-by-side with, like, him and Johan Santana and their delivery. It was, it was pretty sick. Uh, he's been, you know, getting tutored by him a little. I've seen in the bullpen where he's trying to show him the change-up and work on a couple of things. Look, you have to have a couple of guys where you're willing to take a shot on and, and place a lottery ticket on. He should be one of them for people that will be drafting this weekend. Uh, Kyle Wright in Atlanta has looked fantastic. I think I only got one or maybe two of him this week, but I would love to take a gamble on him. And the other guy is is a Marlin. Uh, and you're not going to get wins, but don't worry about that. It just works out. You know, sometimes, you know, your big guy doesn't get it and you get wins where, from other places where you never thought you would. But uh, Pablo Lopez is a guy that everybody's raving about. I was actually pissed off in the the uh, final auction I had yesterday. I was a pick away from me. I was actually writing his name down on my team <laughs> in like the fourth round of reserves or the third round of reserves. And the guy took Pablo Lopez, and I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, you know, it, it's funny how these guys late, but you have to have some lottery tickets. There's your there's your name. Etch it in your kitchen table, Greg Sussman, as uh, a few legends would say. Sure. Pablo Lopez. Makes me feel pretty good because I got him in the 29th round. Yeah, I was pissed. I thought I was going to get him uh, in that round. But, you know, I said, like, eh, nobody's on Lopez, really. I think yeah. we got a shot to get him. I think there's a few Marlins pitchers that are actually flying under the radar right now because they pitch for the Marlins. Mm-hmm. I know Trevor Richards is one that has been climbing up draft boards, and rightfully so. I mean, this is a guy that maybe you should pay attention to what he's doing in the spring because, you know, he's a younger starting pitcher. He's actually, I don't know if he's young, Matt. Is it, hasn't he had, like, a weird, um, like, path to the majors, Trevor Richards? I think he was, like, out of baseball, and then he came back. But I know he has this, this wipeout changeup that's just, like, ridiculous. But he needed to improve, like, a third pitch. Um, his fastball well, he would get, like demolished last year. Fastball. Yeah, <laughs> what, what do you have on uh, on Trevor Richards? Because I know he's someone that people have been excited about yep. too for the Marlins. Yeah, I, I think it's a lot to do with the fastball. Because uh, like I said, I think he's got like a batting he had like a batting practice fastball that was just getting torched. He was working on a couple of things. So yeah, uh, something that I don't think most of us thought uh, at this point. You know, a couple months back, being involved with Marlins pitches, but you mentioned Richards. Caleb Smith was a guy that was actually good when healthy last year, 
but unfortunately couldn't stay healthy. So, you know, you, he's somebody. Uh, let's, and I'll throw another name. Like, I got Derek Holland yesterday for a buck. You know, Dutch Oven, he's, he's got that ballpark to protect him. And, you know, at the end game, you're going to have to get, you know, some backup arms. You don't want, you know, you don't want to put guys in there that are going to blow you up. But, you know, you want to have guys you can maybe wait and see on as well. Trevor Richards last yep. year was someone that I was looking at because he had a high ground ball rate in the minors. He had the strikeouts. Uh, so far in the spring, he has 20 strikeouts and 19 in the third. Like, he's a name that I'm paying attention to. They have some younger starting pitchers in the Marlins. Look, it's going to be – it's a huge park to pitch in, too. So it's a good environment for pitchers to be uh, out there in Marlins Park. Sandy Alcantara, another one I just want to pay sure. attention to just because yes. he has the prospect pedigree. He came over in that trade uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals for Marcelo Zuna. So, again, just a few names to pay attention to. To be honest, I need to learn more about Pablo Lopez, but I'm I'm with Matt saying, like, I know a lot of people have been talking him up. So he's, he's a guy that – you just take a lottery ticket at the end of one of these drafts. If you're playing like an NL only or a 15-team mix, you just take eight in your drafts and see if he turns into something. Another lottery ticket we want to talk about, a ticket that we want to talk about is in Pittsburgh as they made an interesting announcement today. We'll break that down when we come back. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Roto Experts. You work out a deal. You finally work it out. You're ready to hit accept. And he goes, ah, you know what? I'm not so sure now. <laughs> right. Like, oh! That drives me insane when you get that. You just spent a half hour. I mean, literally, you got players, players. You're running out players are the players' names. It's a big deal. Looks you're imagining your roster with the new players. You're right. excited. Right. You're well. happy. <laughs> and then at the last second, he or she doesn't pull the trigger. Sundays, 8 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Can't get enough fantasy football? Roto Experts has launched their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package only at rotoexperts.com. Join the experts live on the air every day by calling in at 844-843-6879 to join the Fantasy Sports Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. While you are fixated on your college basketball brackets, I am. Don't. The NBA Fantasy Hour is going to be a disaster this week. 
I probably should not be on it. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> NFL teams are focusing on the 2019 NFL Draft. For serious fantasy football players, it's never too early to start preparing for the 2019 season. Roto experts have you covered with their NFL 365 fantasy football package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto experts are providing dynasty season-long betting best ball and the NFL Draft content each and every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at RotoExperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package available right now at RotoExperts.com. Matt, one of the names we talked about over the weekend, Frank and I have talked about a lot, and you actually wound up drafting him once Andy lets you, was Mike Moustakis, who's... As Frankie predicted, ADP is rising now that he's on a team, now that we know what position he's playing. The ADP has now risen uh, to a much higher number. You like Mike Moustakas a lot. Do you think that number even gets higher next weekend for you in Vegas? Uh, maybe a little higher. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to jump him another couple of rounds. But if if I I like the fact that he's most likely going to have dual eligibility if he's going to be there, you know, second baseman. So now you have a middle and a corner position, and a guy with 40 home run potential, who's not going to have say Joey Gallo's batting average, but could hit you 40 home runs. And I look that ballpark left-handed power plays. He's going to have a full season there, and I think you have to be excited about that. Frankie, I know you must he's been your guy. This is kind of where you expected him to go, right? Yeah, I didn't know why for most of the offseason. I realized he signed a little bit later on, but once he signed, I mean, he already should have start, started to climb up draft boards then. I felt like he was undervalued for a lot of the draft season. Now we're starting to see him go in the ninth round of 15-team drafts, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't be surprised if he jumps up another round here up into the eighth round again. The things that I've said about Moustakas, he hits the ball in the air. He actually surprisingly makes a lot of contact. He only strikes out like 15, 16% of the time. He's going to be in a great lineup. I want as much exposure to the Brewers lineup as I could possibly get. He's going to play every day. He's going to have dual eligibility. I don't really know what's not to like with Moustakas. Sure. It's not like he has a problem with splits either where, you know, if you're looking at just him versus Travis Shaw side by side, Shaw has actually had issues against left-handed pitching. Moustakas has been able to hold his own a little bit sure. better. So he's going to play every single day. I don't know what's not to like. I mean, I, I think the floor, I mean, the floor is 28-ish home runs. Remember, a couple of years ago, he had 35 home runs in Kauffman Stadium. The upside could be 40 bombs in that lineup, which if he hits 40 home runs, you know the RBIs are going to be there too. So yep. I love Moustakas. I don't, I don't know why the market has been slow, so slow to catch up to. I absolutely love Mike Moustakas as well. I thought it was no-brainer. And Matt, like, I actually like Mike Moustakas a lot more than Josh Donaldson, who you took around earlier. And I know it was an Andy Saxton pick, but Frank and I together are completely off of Donaldson, a guy that has not been healthy. We know what he can give you, the upside, and I know you're playing for an overall. But I, I, the, the Donaldson's pick surprised me a bit at that spot. Well, I, look, if, if he's healthy and he could be a, you know, he could be a first round, second round potential. He could, he's basically an all or nothing is what you're going to get from Josh Donaldson. He's either going to be back or he's going to be done. So at that point, I was looking to possibly take Luis Castillo there, uh, bolster the starting rotation, or get a closer. But you know, I, I really wanted Mustakis there and then come around. But he was he came made it back to us, so I was very happy about that. But look, Donaldson does have the potential. The one thing I'll say about Mustakis and Shore, Travis Shore should never bet against a left-hander. It's it's insane when you when you do the splits there. 
And, you know, how good he is versus right-handing. He just should never see a left-handed uh, starting pitcher or relief pitcher. Yeah, I mean, based on what he did last year, I mean, I will throw this out. I know two years ago he was actually better against left-handed pitching. Travis Shaw, that is. So that's why I was buying into him last season, Greg, is I thought he was taking the necessary steps to actually be competent against left-handed pitching. And then it all snowballed last year, and he was just absolutely brutal against lefties. I know if you look at the OPS, the weighted runs created plus, yep. mm-hmm. I mean, it's just – He's an elite hitter against righties, and then he's just absolutely mm-hmm. garbage against lefties. So I agree 100% when it comes to Travis Shaw. Matt, I know you're a, you're a Shane Bieber guy, and he's a, he's a hype player this, uh, this draft season, especially based on what he's doing in the spring training. Yeah. I mean, if you want to look at spring training, I mean, he's a, another guy here. I talk about the Indians a lot because they know how to develop starting pitchers, and mm-hmm. it looks like he's just another one of these starting pitchers who's ready to take that step. He goes pick 123 here. He goes in between when you take Donaldson and then when you took Moustakis. Was he in consideration when you were in that eighth round? And, and would he have made that Moustakas pick harder on you guys uh, in the ninth round? Like, would you have actually considered Shane Bieber there? It would have made it a lot harder. Uh, Andy's not a Bieber believer. Uh, we had that conversation yesterday when he wouldn't let me take uh, Bieber, and that's when I jumped uh, Chris Paddock. <laughs> so we, uh, we, we definitely have discussed Bieber. We had two different opinions on him. So when you have a partner, and, and I'm in enough leagues where I can get him, I was trying to persuade him. I was unsuccessful. <laughs> <laughs> he tried. And I, I'm sitting here at the end of because I considered Bieber in the eighth round, Greg. Okay. But I took Justin Turner because, yeah. and again, I don't regret taking Turner because then Donaldson goes, then Moustakis goes. And my thinking at the time was if I don't take Justin Turner here in the eighth round, then I don't know if I'm going to end up loving who I, who I end up with my third baseman because I thought that there was a chance – who Stockus would go. And you know I'm not a big Josh Donaldson guy. I hear what Matt's saying 100%. You're playing for an overall. I mean, he does have upside, but I think I see the downside a little bit more when it comes to Donaldson. So I take Turner in the eighth, but Bieber was a guy that I was actually heavily considering there. And then in the ninth, I end up getting Tanaka as my third starting pitcher, but really, really, really thought about taking Bieber in the eighth. It's so interesting because for me, one of the things I've tried to learn this weekend is where these guys go, like where these hype type of players go. And I asked everybody about Paddock, and I asked everybody about uh, Lizardo, and Shane Bieber's another one where, you know, he went in the ninth round, as you said, uh, in the first draft. He goes in the ninth round of your draft. He goes um, in the third draft. He goes where? Probably in the ninth round. In the end of the eighth round, right? So that spot clearly is Shane Bieber. He's going around pick 120 to 130. He's so that's helping me and should help you as mm-hmm. somebody that if you want Shane Bieber and you're in a 15-team league, you got to take him in the 8th or ninth round. That's it. That's where he goes. If you're in a standard 12-team league, all right, you can go 10th, 11th, probably. But I tried to learn this weekend more than anything where guys were going, where the experts felt it was important to go. Now, it doesn't always work like that, right? In draft 3, for instance, A.J. Pollock went in the middle of the 8th round. You guys took him, Matt, in the middle of the 6th round. What, are, are you high on A.J. Pollock, or you just thought it was good value there? What was the deal with A.J. Pollock? I'm, uh, I've always been an A.J. Pollock guy. I, I love the skill set. Uh, health has always been the issue. I'm, I do like him at Dodger Stadium. I think Eno Saris put a great piece together about, you know, drive lines and stuff out there. And he's a guy that has what, I, what I'm looking for. I, I really wanted Puig in the fifth, but I knew Sean Childs was going to take him. And he's trying to tell me he's not. He's got two outfielders already. I said, there's no way Childs passing it up on Puig. Right. He took Puig. We got Dahl. And I wanted another player like that. So I got Dolan Pollock to add on to a Cooner and Lindor. And that's the skill set that I'm looking for. 
Now, Frank, you, you bring up a theme here with, with Matt's team too, Greg. I mean, there's injury risk, but there's sure. big upside because that's what you've heard about Dahl is, all right, well, his downside is he, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. But if he's hitting cleanup every single day for Colorado, he has the ability to hit 30 home runs and steal, you know, 10 to 15 yeah. bases. So it's very clear here, Matt. Is that something that you knew coming in? or you Are you a little bit more risk-averse? You're willing to take these risks because you take Lindor in a second. We know what his upside is. Syndergaard, again, you know what the upside is. Paxton, it seems like there's a, a real theme here where if these guys hit, you have a chance for some big, big money, but you also know they're, like, you're getting them at a discount because they do have that, those injury risk backgrounds. Yeah, well, I mean, Lindor was just something I just couldn't pass on. Uh, Syndergaard. What's to say Syndergaard can't have a season like Trevor Bauer had last sure, year? Sure, absolutely. I mean, no, nobody argues the talent in, uh, th- that he has. And, you know, guys like Paxton. I think Paxton is going to be phenomenal this year. I think the move to – look, you'd rather him be in whatever safe go field is called now. But he's on the Yankees. He's left-handed in the Yankee Stadium. So that should help him. He's a beast. He's a competitor. I don't think he's going to welt under the New York pressure. I think he's actually going to thrive in it. So hopefully he can stay healthy. But I'm not going to pass on good players that you know may or, may or may not. If there's a guy right next to him that's equally and has a better you know health track record, that'll make the exception. But the game is also changing. These younger players – why I'm willing to go in a lot more on younger guys. Look at the last five years. Look at how these guys come up. Look at what uh, Juan Soto did at 19. And he played in, what, 120 games? You're telling me Vlad Guerrero can't do that? You know, one of the best bats we're, we, we've heard about in a long time. So if he plays in 120 to 130 games, he can't do that. So I, I think the game's changing. you got to be more aggressive on these guys. And if they, you know they're going to have a spot, say maybe it's not for the first month or the first couple of weeks, but from then on, you got to get invested in them. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I, I completely get it. I'm staring at the draft board, and you mentioned Yasiel Puig. And Frank, you've been all over Puig a lot this spring, and I've kind of backed off a bit. And you want to pay attention to spring training. Yasiel Puig's gotten it done, particularly this weekend. It's like, bomb! <laughs> Yesterday, did you see he hit a grand slam off Kluber, Kluber and then yeah. a two-run home run off Brad Hand Correct. in the same game? Correct. I mean, you're talking about value up, baby. You know, one of the one of the top ten starting pitchers in baseball, and then one of the top ten relievers. And Puig does it against both those guys again. Like you don't want to buy into spring training that much. We know what the talent level is for Puig. He just needs to keep his head on straight, and he needs to stay healthy. And I think in a contract year, look, I know that there's been a lot of uh, studies done when it comes to contract years. You can't look at Yasiel Puig, everything that he's ever done, everything he's ever been about, and tell me that you can't buy into the fact that this guy wants to get paid, Greg. Sure. You, like, you sure. just can't. So, and we know that the talent level's there. Now, he moves over to the best ballpark he's ever played in, in a really good lineup, and he's going to be in the middle of the lineup. I mean, the upside is immense, and I told you this heading into the draft, Greg. I know I pulled Zach Wheeler up the board. I take him in the fourth round. I was considering taking Puig there. And I know it's pulling guys up the board, but you got to get your guys. And I think that Puig has that legitimate upside where, you know, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he hits 280 with 30 home runs and 15 stolen bases this year. And if he's in the middle of the Reds lineup, you know the counting stats are going to be there too. So I, I'm, I'm going to be continue to be very aggressive with Puig. He was someone that I considered. It just so happened that I wanted starting pitching at that point in the fourth round. So I go with Zach Wheeler. But he was in consideration there. Uh, it was really, it was Wheeler. It was, we were looking at Paxton and Puig. Those were the three picks that we were looking at in the at the beginning of the fourth. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah Matt, go ahead. Real quick, if I could jump in, like what he said about taking Puig there, 
I look if if Paxton wasn't there, I was taking Puig. Yeah, that's the only reason why I didn't take Puig. I figured the Syndergaard Paxton combo. I was all in on that, but I was praying Puig would make it back. It's interesting because I was looking at my rankings, watching the draft unfold, listening to you, Frank, listening to you, Matt. And one guy I actually had higher than Puig was George Springer. And I obviously you let Springer go. You took David Dahl instead. I've been on Springer a lot this spring, and now and I've been off Puig. And I'm thinking, should I reverse that now? And I, I don't know what to do. Well, it, it comes down to what are you expecting from Springer? Because like, like this hey, crew, this crew of guys yep. that went right in this fifth round is really interesting to me. Eddie Rosario, Yasiel Puig, Tommy Pham, David Dahl, George Springer. Like those five guys are obviously very similar. That's why they went back to back. And I have no idea how to rank them. No idea. I think Springer gets pushed down the draft board a little bit now because it's just the lack of stolen bases that he's given. Now in the spring, he's stolen yeah. three bases. We know that he lost weight in the off season, and the Houston Astros are saying they want to be more aggressive on the base yeah. this year. So. I think Springer is fast enough. I think he's a good enough athlete. Stolen ba- bases, bases. For, for, the, for the most <laughs> part here are not a matter of skill and speed. It's a matter of team philosophy and willingness to do so and aggressiveness. It's you know There are a lot of guys that can steal 20 to 30 bases, but with the way baseball has been trending, they don't want players running into outs when you have big boppers at the plate because then you know all of a sudden – you know, what What could have been a two-run home run turned into a solo home run. And so they don't want these guys running into outs. It comes down to aggressiveness. If the if the Astros are going to be more aggressive, then I think Springer has the talent. I think he has the athleticism to steal 15 to 20 bases. But we haven't seen him do that. So you're kind of, you know, what do you really expect from, from Springer? The batting average, it'll be fine. I mean, he's going to be 265, maybe 270. He'll score a lot of runs. The hard hit rate was down last year. He's going to give you 25 home runs. I think he's just kind of a boring player. I think he gets a little bit overhyped because you've heard his name for so long and he plays for the Houston Astros, but I think he's all right going to spot. I don't really have a problem with taking some of these other names ahead of him. Yeah, I think with uh, Springer, it's more about if you want the floor, you take Springer. If you want a ceiling, you take Dahl. And yeah, like Frank said, he stole three bases this year, best shape of his life. Maybe that will change things, but in the past... He's been horrendous at his stolen base success rate. And it's not even like it's been all right. It's been bad. So, you know, maybe that changed. And, you know, maybe he's been working on that. And I just don't buy the Astros are going to become this run-and-gun team. Yeah, I, I get it. You don't want to run into outs when you're on Houston, when you have all those guys behind you. I get it. This is the name. This is the name theory, Greg. It's like, I know. Are, you buying, are, you, are you buying the stats here or are you buying the name? George Springer, to me, is more of a name than what he's giving you. And look, he's still going to give you, if he stays healthy, he's going to give you 100-plus runs. That's, it's not to say that, That's he's, valuable, that he's not a bad player. He's a good player. But, again, some of these other guys, like Puig has tremendous upside. You know how I felt about Tommy Pham throughout spring training. I know he's going to play the field today. So, all right, crossing it. Hope, <laughs> hope, hope he comes through that all right because Tommy Pham, I think he has immense upside, but he's always been injury-prone. If he stays healthy, I think Tommy Pham has 25-25 upside. I, I, you know, I, I think that he's one of these guys that could legitimately break out, but he's always been hurt. So, again, what Matt said is you want safety, you want floor, all right, Springer. But I just I don't think he has much upside. Okay. Fair enough. Other guys going right around him I think have more. It's fair enough. I just mm, I go back and forth right there. And Eddie Rosario is another interesting one. I mean, yeah. I've been pumping up the Twins lineup. He's going to be right in the middle of it too. He bats lefty. I don't have to worry about the splits with him either. He holds his own against lefties. I know the second half he came back last year. 
But let's think of let's let's be reminded of what he did in that first half last season. And you know, he's not going to steal a ton of bases. Maybe he gives you 10 to 15, but he could hit 30 plus home runs. And again, in that lineup, if he's batting, you know, second or third or wherever he is, the counting stats are going to be plentiful. I'm really, really bullish on the Twins lineup. I end up with Buxton in this draft, but you know, Nelson Cruz seems like he's been a little bit undervalued. I also end up with Jorge Polanco here. I think he's going to lead off. I think he's, you know, a guy that can, if he stays healthy, he could score 80, 90 runs. So I'm, I'm very much so in on the Twins lineup. I get why people like Eddie Rosario. I get it too, man. I get it too. He was awesome. He was awesome last year. He was awesome the year before. I get, you know, name value, Frank? It's not there for uh, Eddie Rosario. The numbers are. And the numbers don't lie at this point. Matt Modica, man, this has been a blast. This hour has gone quicker than ever today. <laughs> Super Legitimately quicker than ever. Had a great time in Vegas. Best of luck to you. What's going to be really interesting for Matt, what changes from year, from this week to next week in the mm-hmm. NFBC? I think that's really interesting, and that's what we'll touch on next Monday. Matt, it's been a pleasure. We'll, we'll talk to you next Monday. Yeah, you got it. Good luck to everybody after this weekend. When we come back, the closer. Chris Venture joins us for hour number two. He had his draft last night. We'll get into our auction last Thursday, and we'll do that all over the next hour when we return. Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network.